0: My name is Phil Ortigo. A lot of people try to pronounce it Ortego or Ortega or something like that, but it's actually a Cajun name. It's Ortigo. And if you're from Louisiana, you know that people from Louisiana are different. I met Brandon back there. He is from Louisiana. He's from my hometown in Didham Springs, Louisiana. And I didn't even know that he was here. We got to talking a little bit. And let me just give you a little bit of background about people from Louisiana. We're different. And people in Louisiana will eat anything. I'm telling you, we'll eat anything. Let me just give you an illustration. If you go to a zoo anywhere in America, here's what you'll find. You'll find the name of the animal in English. And underneath it, you'll find the species in Latin. Okay? If you go to a zoo in Louisiana, you will find the name in English. And underneath it is the recipe. (laughs) And we know how to cook them all. So, but we're just glad that we're here this week. Um, I'm actually from Louisiana. My wife, Chris, is in the back. Chris, raise your hand. Everybody say, hey, Miss Chris. Hey, Chris. We've been married for 33 years. She's the joy of my life. I told her I married Mrs. Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. But uh, but, she, but she she normally is correct in almost everything. Um, um, I'm so glad to be here. Um, I just want to kind of give a, get a rundown of uh, the students who are here. If you're in middle school or just finished middle school, would you raise your hand? In middle school or just finished middle school, okay? If you just finished ninth grade, raise your hand. Ninth graders. If you just finished tenth grade, raise your hand. All the tenth graders, okay? If you just completed eleventh grade, raise your hand. Got some, wow, got a great group. If you just completed uh, senior, raise your hand. Wow, big group. That's really... You know, people um, enjoy high school for a lot of different reasons. And um, for some people, high school is just a difficult time. And it can be a difficult time to navigate sometime. I read about this this young man who, who was shy most of his high school career. And he finally got enough nerve to ask a fellow senior out on a date. He knew her from church, didn't know her really well, but he said, you know, would you go on a date with me? And she said, yes, I will go. He was shocked. He didn't know what to do. So he went down to the local candy store, and there was a man that was running the candy store, and he said, sir, I would like three boxes of chocolate. I want a $3 box of chocolate, I want a $5 box of chocolate, and I want a $10 box of chocolate. The man said, wow, that's a lot of chocolate. What do you want that for? He said, well, I'm taking this little girl out tonight, and I've never been on a date before, and I really don't know what to do, but if she lets me hold her hand at the end of the date, I will give her a $3 box of chocolate. The man said, okay. He says, but if she lets me put my arm around her in a movie, I'll give her a $5 box of chocolate, but if she lets me kiss her on the cheek when we get home, I will give her a $10 box of chocolate. The man said, okay. He said, I don't necessarily approve, but I'll sell it to you. So he sold it to the young boy. The boy gets home. He's excited. He's got all his chocolates ready to go. And, and the little girl calls him. She says, hey, my dad wants to know if you'll come over early tonight. And so we can eat supper together. We are a Christian family. And I know you're a Christian family, but my dad wants to get to know you. He said, no problem. I'll be glad to be there. He was all excited. He had the chocolates in the car, pulls up in the driveway, gets out, walks in, greets the dad. The dad brings him to the table and puts him at the end of the table opposite himself. And he's looking at that young man. He said, young man, we're a Christian family. And he says, we believe in the word of God and we live by it. Yes, sir. He was just nervous as a cat. He said, son, will you lead us in prayer? And that little boy started praying. He prayed from Genesis to Revelation. He prayed the longest prayer you ever heard. He went on and on and on. And when he finished praying, the little girl looked at him and said, I didn't know you were so spiritual. He said, and I didn't know your daddy's the man that runs that candy store. (laughs) Took a little while to get there, but, you know, it may have been worth it. For some people, high school has been a blast. For me, high school was a mess. It was a mess. I did not enjoy high school until my senior year. In fact, I hated it. I hated going to school. And there were a lot of reasons I hated school. One of the reasons was I was so small. When I graduated high school as a senior, I was 5 foot 4 and weighed 95 pounds. They didn't call me Ortygo in high school. They called me Shortygo, And I hated it. I was picked on all the time because of my lack of stature. I also hated it because being so small, there was nothing really I felt I can contribute at high school. I loved sports, and I wanted to play sports so bad. I couldn't play football. I was about the size of a football. And so I was thinking, okay, what can I do? I can run track. Hey, I can run because I've run from bullies all my life. I can handle this. So I thought, I'll run track. And I did. I joined the track team. And I want you to know, I ran a mile, the two mile, and a half mile. And I lost every single race I ever ran. Dead last every single time. I thought my only purpose in life was to keep that guy in front of me from coming in last. And he got to go home and tell his parents that there was one kid worse than him on the track. One time, I almost won. I ran a half mile and, and I was running. as I said, you know, what? I'm going to run all I got. If I die on the track, I die on the track. And I took off running and I'm running, I'm running. I get around the first curve and nobody's caught up to me yet. I got around the back stretch. Nobody was around me. I came around the last curve. I thought, did I start too early? And nobody else ran. And then I realized that I'm winning Everybody in the stands was cheering, like all five of them. And they were just cheering, saying, Come on, Phil, you can do it. And I was coming to the finish line thinking, I'm finally going to win a race. And they had all these strips of white tape on the track, and I stopped at the wrong one. And every single person passed me up, and guess what? I came in last. I hated high school. I wasn't popular. I was voted most likely to remain invisible. I mean, it wasn't good. I hated high school. I didn't have really any friends, never had a date. And so I began to hang out with the only people who would accept me. They were the guys who smoked pot and drank and did drugs. And I thought, if this is where I'm going to find significance, then this is what I'm going to do. And I got involved in alcohol. I got involved in drugs. I began selling drugs. I was even involved in illegal activity, and many of us got shot one night. My life was going downhill. And I knew that I, something didn't happen, I would probably end up in jail Or I'd end up dead. I knew that. Then my senior year, I met someone that changed my life. I met someone who loved me for who I was. I met someone who made a difference in my life and transformed me forever. His name was Jesus. And what I discovered is that Jesus loved me more than anybody else ever did. In fact, his love for me was real. His love for me transformed me. It changed me. And the most incredible thing about the love of Jesus was this. He didn't love me the way the world tried to love me. And you know what else? He didn't hold me to the standards that the world wanted to hold me to. You see, the world would try to say that our net worth is based upon one of four things. Here they are. Some will say your appearance. You are worth something if you look the right part. If you look right, if you're beautiful, if you're a beautiful person, then you know what? You can find some self-worth in that. Or maybe achievements. The things that you do. If you can do the right things then you can be accepted and then your net worth is going to be very valuable. Or maybe the approval. How well you're liked. How well do people like you? I mean, if I can just be popular, then you know what? My net worth will go through the roof. Or how about affluence? What do I own? Maybe if I just have the right clothes. Maybe if I have the the latest phone. Maybe if I have the latest device. Maybe if I have the right car. You know, maybe if I had the right stuff, then my net worth goes up. But I want to tell you, all those things are lies because here's reason. Go back to that one. Your appearance will change. It'll change. It can happen overnight. Not only will your appearance change, but somebody will outachieve you. Whatever records you have, they may break. Your approval, there are going to be some people who are not going to like you. Or your approval rating will drop, or or maybe you have fluence, maybe the things that you have will be lost. I want to tell you something. Your significance is never in any of these things. It is not. Your significance is only found in the one person who truly loves you. And that's the Lord Jesus. His love for you is not based upon your appearance. His love for you is not based upon your achievements. His love for you is not based upon your approval. It's not based upon the things that you have. His love for you goes beyond anything. And I want to tell you, young people, listen carefully. There's nobody who loves you more than Jesus. Nobody. Your parents don't love you as much as Jesus loves you. Your friends don't love you as much as Jesus loves you. Your counselors at this camp this weekend don't love you as much as Jesus loves you. Now, all these people love you, but they don't love you nearly like the Lord Jesus. We've just been singing about his incredible love. And when you understand that your net worth is found in your identity in Jesus Christ... And you know what you understand? You understand that you are totally His, and He is totally yours. That runs both ways. I want to introduce you to a man tonight in Scripture that you are very familiar with. And and he understood too. He was the same kind of man like I was. And he came to understand that all of these things... (coughs) could not give him self-worth. But he encounters Jesus, and he is never the same. And Jesus demonstrates to him that you matter to me. You matter to me. And I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus here tonight is saying to you that you matter to him. You matter to him. If you're a child of God, if you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you matter to him because he bought you with his blood. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ... I want you to know you matter to him because he died for sinners for like me and like you. This man, his story is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. So turn there, Luke, chapter 19, verse 1. His name is a name that you sang when you were a little kid. You talked about him being a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up into a what? What's his name? Zacchaeus. When we look at the life of Zacchaeus, what we will find is these four things that this culture uses to determine our net worth were also used in his own life. And yet, of the four things, he failed in three of them. I want you to notice verses 1 through 3. We've got verses 1 through 4. We'll leave that slide up there for you to read it. Jesus is going through Jericho and he entered Jericho. And he was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Stop right there. Let me show you three of the four ways that he failed. Number one, Zacchaeus failed in appearance. It says he was small in stature. You know what the literal rendering in the Greek means? It means the body of an undeveloped child. He wasn't just short. Let me tell you what he was. He was a little person. Scholars believe that Zacchaeus was a little person. He was what we used to call, I think, offensively, we used to use the word, he was a midget. Or if you've watched Willy Wonka, he was an Oompa Loompa, you know. But he was a little person, And Luke, who is a physician, who is a historian par excellence, points it out that he was a little person. Why? Maybe there were not many in that culture, but there were enough in one in Zacchaeus. And he just didn't fit the appearance of what considered you to be a person of great net worth. But listen, not only did he fail in the appearance, he failed in the achievements. He was a tax collector. Now, if you're a tax collector in this day, this is not a valued job. Why? Because he was a Jew who sold his citizenship out to Rome. And he was collecting the taxes for Rome. But not only was he collecting taxes for Rome, but they would extort the people. And they would charge them more, and then he would keep the extra for himself. But not only that, he was the chief tax collector. Which means this, he owned the franchise. If you wanted to be a tax collector, you had to buy it from Zacchaeus. And because of that, he ran the whole show. He was in charge of all of it. And it was a job that was despised by the people. So his achievements were not much. His approval rating, they hated him. They hated him. He sold out his citizenship. He was not popular. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. As a matter of fact, everybody in Jericho despised him. If you're a tax collector, three things. Number one, you were considered dead to your family. Number two, you could never go into the temple and worship God. Number three, you were considered worse than a murderer. <laughs> he had no approval rating in Jericho. The only thing he had going for him is he was rich. He had affluence. He was very rich, but he was very empty. Why? Because he was going after the things that the world says develops self-worth. But all of that was about to change. Because Jesus came to town. And as Jesus is making his way through the city into the, the square, that section... Of Jericho, where everybody was gathered, thousands of people were gathered. Jesus is coming towards the end of his ministry. And towards the end of his ministry, there is great popularity. He has been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been raising the dead. He's been doing what the Son of God does. And as he's doing all of these things, Zacchaeus hears about him. Look at verse 4. So what does Zacchaeus do? So he ran on ahead... And he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Zacchaeus does two things that a man never did in this culture. Number one, he ran. Men would not run because they wore a gown. They wore a robe. If they fell, they could expose themselves. and It would be very embarrassing. It would be shame on their family. So men did not run. Zacchaeus ran. And men never climb a tree. Little boys climb a tree. Zacchaeus climbed a tree because he was desperate to see Jesus. Now we don't know if he heard Jesus preach. We don't know what he knew of Jesus. But he knew the one person that could change his life was coming to town. And Zacchaeus climbs in the tree. There he is, hiding behind the branches. He's hiding in the leaves. I don't know, maybe he had a camouflage robe on. Maybe he had some camouflage cl- croc flip-flops. I don't know. He was up there in a the tree. But listen, he was hiding away because he wanted to be invisible. And as he's hiding in a tree and as all the people are walking by, look what happens in verse 5. His life is never the same. Is about to be changed Forever. Because of what Jesus does, verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. He looked up. Do you know what that word means in the Greek. It doesn't mean that he just glanced and said, "Oh, there's a little man in that tree." It's not what he did. Jesus looked with intensity. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hiding. He thought that he was well hid. You know, I want to tell you something about hiding. Hiding and hide and seek is a game that humanity has been playing since the fall of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve took that fruit and ate from it, the first thing they did was they hid from themselves. They were naked and unashamed. But after they ate that fruit and they sinned against God, all of a sudden they tried to hide themselves from each other. They were ashamed. And then they hid from God. Do you remember why they went and hid? It's amazing. They went and hid among the trees. And God called them out and found them. Here's Jesus walking by and he looks up. He sees him. He knows where Zacchaeus is. He knows what's going on in Zacchaeus' life. Now, can you imagine Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is in the tree. He looks down and all of a sudden Jesus is gazing at him. Jesus is looking at him. I wonder if Zacchaeus tried to hide and Jesus kind of moved around. And I see you up there, little man. I see you. Jesus looked at him and knew where he was. Here's what I've learned from this passage. No matter how insignificant I feel, Jesus sees me. He notices me. No matter how insignificant I may feel, the Lord Jesus knows exactly where I am. And He knows where you are tonight. Some of you tonight may be feeling, you know, I just feel so invisible. Nobody knows me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody knows what's going on in my life Nobody knows the struggles that I'm dealing with. Nobody knows the pain that I'm feeling. Nobody knows the frustration. Nobody knows the difficulties. But the reality is this. Jesus loves you so much. Listen, listen. He knows right where you are. He knows every pain. He knows every struggle. He knows every question. He knows every difficulty. He knows where you are. And some of you have the tendency... You're in Christ, but you still want to run to the things of the world to seek approval. And you're hiding in the tree. You're hiding maybe in a relationship. Maybe you're hiding in wanting to seek the approval of other people. And the Lord Jesus sees where you are. And he gazes at you intently. Listen, he loves you so much that he knows everything about you. In Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, Jesus says, Are not five sparrows sowed for two cents? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why not even the hairs of your head? They're all numbered. You are of more value than of many sparrows. See, the reality is this. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, Jesus loves you so much, he sees you. The Lord Jesus has never taken his eye off of you. And he never will. Because if you're in Christ and your identity is in him, you are his and he is totally yours. There's no difficulty, there's no circumstance that he will ever abandon you in. He sees you, he knows you intimately. And his desires for you to pursue him. Listen, like he pursues you. I want you to see what happens next. Verse 5 again. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, but not only did he look up, he said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus grew up in a world where he was despised. Can you imagine his whole life he was ridiculed? His whole life he was put down. Can you imagine as a little person growing up in a world like that? He was probably treated with great cruelty. They probably called him every kind of name. And as he grew up, he knew what rejection was. He knew what it was for people to mistreat him. He was never included in any of their games. He was never included in their little groups. They built their tree houses. He was never invited. He was always on the outside. And as a result, he gave himself to the things that would make him feel significant. He became a tax gatherer, and you know that nobody would give him the time of day. He was despised. And Jesus stops. He looks up at him, and he says, Zacchaeus. Now, can you imagine Zacchaeus? He must have thought, wait a minute, I never told him my name. Okay, who ratted me out? Who told Jesus I was in the tree? And the people must have been shocked. Jesus knows the name of the biggest crook in town? Are you kidding me? Does Jesus know who that guy is? Nobody would call Zacchaeus by his name. You want to know why? Do you know what his name meant? It's incredible. His name meant pure one. Pure one. And the only person who would stop and call him by his name was the only one who loved him. And that's the Lord Jesus. Here's the second thing that I learned from this. No matter what others say about me, Jesus affirms me. If I'm in Christ and he is mine and I am his, then it doesn't matter what other people say about me. Jesus affirms me. Why? Because I'm a person created in the image of God. I'm a person who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I'm a person who has been sealed with the Spirit of promise. I'm a person who's been adopted by the Father and the King of Kings. I'm a person who has full victory. And it doesn't matter what other people say about me. Jesus will always affirm me. And I can tell you what. There will be two sources of people that will speak against you. Number one will be Satan. He will come against you and he will tell you, you can't measure up. You'll never make it. Look at how you've stumbled and you've fallen. You will never be Worthy of a child of God, and he lies. He li- he's the father of lies. Jesus said he's been lying from the beginning. There's never a time Satan has not lied, and he lies. Other people will say things to you that will seek to undermine what maybe what even God is doing in your life. You know, it may be a parent. A parent may say you'll never amount to anything. Maybe a parent had said to you, you know what, you're an accident. <laughs> we never planned you. I was reading about a little boy who was playing T-ball, and a dad was so obnoxious and he was so upset about his son. And his son couldn't do anything right, and the dad was in the stands, and and the little boy would swing the bat, and a dad would shout with all the parents around and all the kids around. He would say, What's wrong with you, boy? You swing like a girl. No offense, girls, okay? You swing like a girl. Then he run. You run like a turtle. You can't stand up. You can't do anything right. Then he shouted, what is wrong with you, boy? And the little boy just looked back at his dad. He says, hey, defective gene pool. (laughs) Of course, all the parents lost it. But the reality is this. People may say things about you. But the Lord Jesus will affirm you. Because you're His. You belong to Him. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. What do we find the Apostle Paul telling us? He says this in Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, in Christ Jesus Your workmanship. You know what that word means? The word means masterpiece. Worthy of notable excellence. You are a masterpiece. You know what? You do not create masterpieces on an assembly line. Every masterpiece is individually crafted by the artist in a unique way. You are a masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus. Chosen by the Father from eternity past before the foundations of the world. You're a masterpiece. You know what Isaiah says? He says this. He says, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Have you ever taken something and put it in the palm of your hand and squeezed it real hard? You know what it leaves? It leaves an indention of that object. And the Lord Jesus, in the palm of his hands, what's there? The scars of the cross for you. And when he looks at the palms of his hands, he looks to those whom he redeemed by his own sacrifice in his obedience to the Father. So, you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Jesus loves you to the place to where he affirms you. He loves you to the place where he notices you. And there's never a time he does not see you. But here's the last thing I want you to see. And this is really cool. Verse 5 again. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. Can you imagine that? Jesus comes to the bottom of that tree. And not only does he look at him intently. Not only does he affirm him. But you know what Jesus does? He receives him. Jesus receives him into his life. And here's what I learned. No matter what I've done, Jesus received me. Can you imagine all the people saying, Now, wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. This is Zacchaeus. This is the biggest little crook in Jericho. This is the guy that everybody hates. And you're going to receive him? You're going to go to his house? Now here's what's interesting. Zacchaeus never invited Jesus to his house. Jesus invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And that's what Jesus does with us. Even in our failures, you know that we. a lot of times we say, I invited Jesus into my life. The reality is this. No, Jesus invited you to receive him. Because he's the one who's been dealing with your heart. He's the one that's been dealing with your mind. He's the one who's been drawing you to his love and his grace. And what have you done? You've responded to his invitation. No matter what you've done. I mean, Zacchaeus was the worst crook in town. Did Jesus not know that? Yes. He knew everything about the life of Zacchaeus. And he knew that Zacchaeus' only hope would be for him to have a relationship with the Son of God. And Jesus invited himself to his home. I want to tell you, if you're a child of God, Jesus has invited himself into your life and you have responded to that invitation. And many people have a hard time saying, now wait a minute, Jesus affirmed this sinner? You know what we forget? That the prerequisite for salvation is to be a sinner. Because every single one of us are sinners. We're born spiritually dead. We're born with a sinful nature. We sin because we're sinners. And we always will. And the Lord Jesus affirms him. And receives him. Now I want you to notice what Zacchaeus does. Verse 6. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. Now why would he not do that? Jesus is the only person in all of Jericho that showed any love to Zacchaeus. And what did Zacchaeus do? It says he hurried down. One translation says he scurried down the tree. He couldn't wait to get to the bottom because he was going to bring Jesus to his house. Unfortunately, there were people who grumbled about it. Look at verse 7. And when they saw it, the crowd, they all grumbled. He has gone to the house to be the guest of a man who is a sinner like they were not sinners. I want to tell you, a lot of times in the church... When people who have lived really, really bad lives come to church, sometimes the church is really, really uncomfortable with sinners. And you know what we forget? That we were all in that boat. We were all sinners. Several years ago, I had a man come to my office. It was the scariest thing I've ever had happen in my life. He was six foot nine. He weighed 350 pounds. He had a gray beard down to here, long gray hair, red bandana, tats all over his arms and his neck and his body. And he walked in and had to duck under my door. And I'm sitting at my desk. And he looks at me and says, "You the preacher?" I said, "No, man, I don't even work here, man." <laughs> He said, you're the preacher? I said, yeah. i got to ask you a question. I said, well, come on. Pulls up the chair, sits down. He said, I just want you to know something. He said, I've lived a rough life. I thought, uh, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it. He said, I've lived a rough life. He says, I'm a hell's angel biker. He says, I want you to know that I should be in jail for the things that I've done to people. And he says, but something's happening in me. One of your members has been telling me about Jesus on the job. I was like, yes. And he said, I just want to know one thing. Is it true? If I die without Jesus, I'm going to go to hell? Like, yeah. <laughs> I said, yes, it's true. And he stood up, pulled the chair next to my desk, took them big, massive hands, and buried his head in it and started crying like a baby. And I went over there. it's okay buddy no I didn't say I say what's on your heart and then he just started confessing his sins I shared the gospel with him his name was Robert Salvi. Robert gave his life to Christ he was a finished carpenter was an expert in woodworking and I led Robert to the Lord a couple of Sundays later he was at church and I brought him before the body And there's Robert standing next to me, six foot nine. I said, I want to introduce you to my twin. And uh, as he's standing next to me, I introduced the church to Robert Salvi. I told him about his life. I told him about what he did and that next week we're going to baptize him. At the end of the service, we prayed and people were coming up. And I walked down the aisle to the back and there were two little ladies in the back. And one of them said to the other one, said, can you believe that? That Is what our church is coming to. That's what she said. Not everybody's happy when a sinner comes to Christ. I baptized Robert, it was quite a task. (laughs) He displaced all the water in that (laughs) baptistry, he came out of that thing and gave me a bear hug. To this day, he lives in Florida. Robert goes to Hell's Angels biker rallies, sets up a little card table with Bibles and tracts, and is telling everybody how Jesus received him as a sinner. And you want to know what? He is totally his. Because he is sold out. You see, sometimes we think because people have sin, they're worthless. It's not that they're worthless. They're separated from a holy God. They're children of wrath like the rest. But they're not worthless. I left it in my room. I had a $50 bill. And I was going to pull a $50 bill out. And here's what I was going to do. I was going to ask you, how much is that $50 bill worth? How much would you say a $50 bill is worth? Good. You're smart. <laughs> if I took that $50 bill and I crumbled it all up, how much would that $50 bill be worth? If I took that $50 bill and threw it on the ground and stumped on it and got it dirty, how much would that $50 bill be worth? You see, just because it's broken and it's dirty and it's crumbled doesn't mean it's worthless. There's value, but that value is in Jesus. Now, I want you to see what happens. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood, they go to the house, and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to this house since also he is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. What happened to Zacchaeus? He was changed. How do we know he was changed? He gives evidence of repentance. Two times in here it says he gave back. He gave back fourfold. The most crooked man in town now is the most generous man in town because Jesus made a difference in his life. Here's what I want to conclude with tonight. It's real simple. If you are a child of God, nobody, nobody loves you as much as Jesus loves you. And no matter what you're going through, you don't have to look to the world. You don't have to look to the standard of the world to seek approval. You don't have to look to the standard of the world for achievement. You don't have to look to the standard of the world for affluence. You don't have to look for the standard of the world for anything. Why? Because Jesus is the one who meets every single need in your life. He knows where you are always. He will affirm you because of who you are. And he has received you and forgiven you. And you are totally his. Some of you are in a tree. And you're hiding. And the Lord Jesus is calling you to come down out of that tree. And to leave the standard of the world. And come to him. Let him be the satisfaction of your life. Let him be the joy of your heart. Let him be the sustainer of all of your needs. Come out of the tree and come to him. Some of you this evening may not know the Lord Jesus. You're like Zacchaeus. You've been looking for significance in your life and you've not been able to find it. And this evening, the Lord Jesus is standing at the base of your tree and he's looking at you. And he's saying to you, I'm your only hope. I see you where you are. I'm the only one who can affirm you because I created you. And I'm the only one who will forgive you because I died for you. And he may be standing at the foot of your tree inviting himself in. And he's calling you to respond to him. To scurry out of that tree and to embrace the only one who will ever love you to that depth and to that intensity. You see, you matter to God. If you belong to him, you matter to him. If you're created by him, you matter to him. And he's inviting you to come. Here's what I want you to do I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. This is not an invitation or anything like that, this is a challenge. If you are here tonight and you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you consider doing that tonight? Would you come out of that tree? And would you embrace and surrender to the one who loves you most? If you're a child of God tonight, and you are his and he is yours, are you totally his? Or do you find yourself running back to the standards of the world and looking for the approval of other people? Or do you seek to please the heart of just one? You know where you are. Jesus knows where you are. If you need to confess an area that you're seeking that is not fulfilled in Christ, would you do that and repent of that right now and ask the Lord Jesus to be the only satisfying source in your life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this evening you're going to have the opportunity to meet with your small groups. You're going to have the opportunity to meet with your group leaders. I want to challenge you to share with them what God has laid on your heart tonight. If you need to surrender your life to Christ tonight, you share that with your group leaders. If you need prayer or you just want to give thanks for the way Jesus loves you, you share that with your group leader. Father, we thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. May you have an impact in our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen.